0: But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer. Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
2: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
3: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golick. Mike Golick, Jr., Mike Golick, Sr., Emerson Lazio holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio out there in Boston. We're brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Uh, We got a fun show for you guys today. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review, do all the fun stuff. Leave us a five-star rating. And check us out here live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKingsNetwork.com, the DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Roku, all that good stuff. Brandon Stevens, quarterback, cornerback, for the Baltimore Ravens gonna join us heading into this weekend here we got plenty to get to a college football bowl season getting started this weekend in earnest now but my god in heaven what the hell did we just watch last night dad i did not think going into this nfl season one that's been defined by defense that we would have two teams go north of 60 points in beatdowns that made me feel like i was watching early season college football teams play fcs programs
1: you know and and this is a a year when we're talking about the defense more than the offense right especially with so many backup quarterbacks playing that we're gonna we'll, we'll get to as well but You know how we always say, if you play long enough, something like this is going to happen. I ain't going to lie, nothing like this ever happened in my career. (laughs) I don't think in your career either, where it was this much of a blowout. I mean, 42 to nothing at halftime, 49 to nothing before the Chargers even scored a point. And already, we've already had so much talk about Brandon Staley and his future, and we will again, unfortunately for him. But I mean,. One of the most amazing things I saw, there were five turnovers in this game, and every single one of them led to... Actually, there were... Yeah, there were four... Yeah, five turnovers. Three led to offensive touchdowns. The other two were defensive touchdowns. Every turnover led to a touchdown, led to 35 points uh, for uh, the the Raiders. It was, it was amazing. The mistakes that the Chargers were making of... Uh, fumbling, you know, Raiders score, fumbling right away again. Then those last two scores were defensive touchdowns uh, with a big man touchdown, a thick six that you had as well, Mike. But this is one of those – we've all had games, if you play long enough, where one gets away from you and you know you're not going to come back. But this score, much like when, you know, Denver had 70 scored on them, is just – One that, especially in the NFL, because you don't see it in the NFL, where you just kind of shake your head. And then you just have to get rid of this one. They still have, you know, a few games to go. you got to put this thing aside. I wouldn't even watch this game, put it aside, and get ready for the next one.
0: Well, I mean, I I feel like they're going to be putting it aside because they're going to have a new coaching staff by then. Like, we can't Mm -hmm. ignore this anymore. It it can't persist. I understand the Chargers may have wanted to try and wait this thing out. You can't wait anymore. That team quit. Like point blank period. We watched a team break on national television last night. The Raiders scored 0 points the week before, Dad. They played the Minnesota Vikings in a game that set offensive football back 200 years and scored 0 points in that game and came out and scored 35 points, the most in any half since the previously mentioned 2010 Broncos game where they led the Broncos 38-7 at halftime and they became the first team since the 1950 rams to have eight different players score a touchdown antonio pierce was downright mean downright mean jacoby myers threw multiple passes in this game (laughs) including a touchdown he scored on multiple trick plays in this game you had defensive touchdowns left and right they rubbed their nose in it dad and you saw on that other side there that chargers team was done in the second quarter there there is just no belief in what's going on there anymore in los angeles and it's not because i don't like brandon staley it's not because i don't think he might be successful somewhere else but it's over in los angeles for him and the and the chargers need to make a
1: change accordingly you know it it it, you talk about the jacoby myers pass for a touchdown they were up 42 to nothing when he did that and and I, i i'm still i'm still at the point of Hey, you know what? If you don't want that to happen to you, stop it, you know? (laughs) Because the Raiders certainly have had a ton of success, so they were enjoying this night and more power to them. The amazing thing in this game is the Chargers had the ball longer than the Raiders. The Chargers had more drives than the Raiders, and they were only behind them maybe 50 yards in total offense. So if you looked at the stats, the stats are incredibly close but obviously oh, it's just turnover. At, look at Easton Stick's stat line alone. We talked about Easton Stick going into this
0: game for the injured Justin Herbert. Easton Stick was 23 of 32 for 257 yards and 3 touchdowns. If you just close your eyes and look at yep. that, it looks pretty damn good, but then you open your eyes and you see the rest of this and you realize that it all went to hell. And like I am empathetic to the Chargers players, right? Your season had already been going bad and then last yeah. week you get the announcement that your big money star quarterback is going to be out for the rest of the year. Dad, we've talked about this on the show plenty. You know better than most that hopeless feeling that sets in when oh, all yeah. of a sudden the guy that's supposed to be your guy, you know, you got one of the special ones, and now he's on the sideline, can't even hold a clipboard because his hand's all wrapped up here. You know there's a hopelessness that accompanies it, but rarely does it translate so clearly and so evidently to us in the crowd on the field.
1: Yeah, and then you have your backup here, like, well, at least we have one of the top weapons in the league, and Keenan out. Oh, no, we don't. He's not playing. <laughs> so, I mean, but between Easton Stick and Aiden O'Connell, there were seven touchdowns and one interception. Aiden O'Connell won four and zero, you know, on touchdowns and interceptions. So, the backups actually looked good from a throwing standpoint, statistical standpoint. The turnovers killed the Chargers. The Chargers have three more games. They play the Bills, nope. the Broncos, and the Chiefs. Those oh, are their God. last three games. Lost, lost. I mean, lost. now what? See what's on the line for the Chiefs. You know, again, that that last game, teams sure. may be locked in, so you don't know what's going to happen. But still, I mean, you could they could literally be a like a double digit underdog in every one of those games. Probably not the Broncos. We'll see what the Broncos do this week. But it's and, and you're right. You know, as, as much as you want to kind of, you know, you hate calling for somebody's job and this and that, he's, he's going to be gone. It's just a matter of of when. Is it going to be now? Do you do it now while you have these three games left? Do you wait till after the season? But not only, I'm sure, does he know, but every player, every other coach, this is one of those days, see, people go behind the curtain here when if you're an assistant coach, you start the feelers. You start to get stuff out yeah. there. I mean, this is now about self-preservation from a player standpoint, from an assistant coach's standpoint, about what your particular future is going to hold. And, and it's kind of been there for the Chargers anyway, uh, but it really got, you know, emphasized and stamped on and written down in ink uh, last night. But this is what happens to teams like this who have coaching questions, uh, personnel questions, and you're out of it, of how players and coaches go about their business the last few weeks of the season.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's everyone involved knows, and I think that's the exact right way to put it. And that's why I, I think you, you are getting close to needing to make a move now yeah, like to do said, it. We don't yeah. like calling for anyone's job, no, but no, man, it, it's hard to expect everyone to continue to go about this way. Walking around the building, taking the message seriously. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Brandon Staley said if the message wasn't getting home, we'd be getting blown out of the stadium here. And then it shows up here. So now you do start to wonder when things like this happen. And just the way it looked at, we all watched that last night. That was not a Chargers team that seemed to put up a fight for very long in that game. And so you wonder how hard it is for everybody to go walk around the building and go along with the charade when you know that everyone involved is not going to be here going forward. Brandon Staley last night, to his credit, I will say, went and did the halftime interview going in while they were getting blitzed and, and completely destroyed out there on the field. And composed himself there And then stood and answered the questions after the game This was Brandon Staley in the post game Facing up to the media Who had plenty of the questions you'd
1: expect
3: Do you expect to be the coach here tomorrow? I don't know
2: that Do you think you should be? Yes Why? I know that what I've done here for three years And I know what I put into this And, um, you know, I know that we're capable of going Uh, I know the type of coach that I am I believe in myself Um, But again, this isn't about me. This is about a a group that's hurting in there. We got to get some rest and we got to get ready for Buffalo.
0: And and you know, it's coming off a short week. Like he, he, he understands this locker room has been beat up all year long. Once again, the chargers injury bug that predates Brandon Staley and is a part of the chargers haunted house (laughs) that is going to be factored into whoever is going to come and try and uh, take this job eventually. All those things just piled up and got to a point now, Dad, where it seems like a very clear breaking point here. And we know primetime games always kind of <laughs> exacerbate these feelings,
1: without a doubt. And, and we had played the last couple of weeks some pressers from Staley, and he was he was salty, like he just got out of the ocean and didn't didn't wash off the salt water, right? <laughs> And for this one, he washed off the salt water. There's, there's, there's no reason, no way for him to be salty after you get smoked like that. You got to just be. Thank you, sir. May I have another? You know, you know. I'm gonna take this butt whooping because uh, that's what we got on the field, and I have to take it here. But it's also going to be the culmination. Remember, you remember this team was up, what, 27 on, nothing on Jacksonville. Jacksonville makes that comeback. They go out and they sign J.C. Jackson for, yeah. like, over $80 million, and then they cut him after a year to the point where the, the GM Telesco goes in and apologizes to the DBs for that. I mean, it, just a horrific move there. During Staley's time, remember, Staley is a defensive guy. During his time, I believe it was points per game. They've been 29th yards per game. They've been 28th, and they've lost the most one-score games, 15 of them, in his tenure. So, I mean, when your specialty is one side of the ball, and you're, you're, that's where your that's where their weakness has been. The offense, I'm not going to lie, has been a bit of a head-scratcher and underachieving as well. But oh, he's yeah. a defensive guy, and and defensively they have not been – except over the last couple of weeks, statistically, they've been better than what they were. But for the most part, it just hasn't happened, and that's what's going to – it's just going to precipitate this change.
3: Yeah, you mentioned the former Patriot, J.C. Jackson there. Three former Patriots scoring for the Raiders last night. Jack Jones, Jacoby Myers, Brandon Bolton. That will not happen next year for the Raiders – against the Chargers when Bill Belichick is on the sideline for L.A., guys. Mark my word. I did see some
0: of those photoshops starting yeah. to make their way online. <laughs> I can't think of a weirder fit it's... than Bill Belichick wearing those Chargers powder blues. It just does not compute with his entire demeanor and then sunny Los Angeles yeah. and those the yeah. most beautiful jerseys in professional yeah. sports. So, uh, yeah, Dad, you're right. With Brandon Staley, the entire tenure, though, has been kind of a lightning rod right year one he was the fourth down guy he was the analytics darling he was the one that would give the big long really complex you know well thought out answers to the media that everybody enjoyed and then the second year there was this real about face where all of a sudden he coached more like a defensive head coach it was a lot more conservative decision making it felt like you know, as people had evaluated or they had evaluated that, they had gone a different course with the way they were gonna approach those situations, the lack of consistency with the approach, and ultimately a defense that really, since he got there, has struggled to stop the run and has all these big names. That's the other Chargers problem, Dad, is J.C. Jackson's sort of emblematic of the entire operation, right? You've got a ton of big names, but the production has never quite matched that, especially defensively. Khalil Mack last night, who had six sacks in the first meeting against the Raiders, Ravens got blanked for the majority of the night. They were credit to them, focusing most of their attention on trying to stop and get him going. But, uh, it was uh, as ugly a night in prime time as I can remember. I was texting our buddy Jason Fitz, who's on the winning side of this for the yeah, Raiders, and yeah. even he said, "I can't remember a moment like this for my team. I'm numb to what's going on right now." Because again, for the Raiders, you want to talk about the whiplash of the last couple of weeks for what they've gone through as a team, as an offense, and, and now going forward, springboarding off this, Dad, comparing this to the Denver Broncos' 70-point drubbing at the hands of the Miami Dolphins, it felt. Felt bad at the time but man at least for the Dolphins you were in year one with Sean Payton he wasn't going to be one of the coaches that got fired in year one right. you could say hey we've got a long season to go and since you've seen that borne out but for the Chargers right now this happening as the calendar turns to December with a coach that you knew probably wasn't going to be there does have a decidedly different tenor to it
1: oh no no doubt about it because Brandon Staley entered the season on the hot seat you know uh so and, and it just hasn't gotten any better there wasn't you always look to see is the arrow going up or not and obviously it's not injuries are part of that but still the head coach ends up being responsible for everything on the other side of that Mike I'm wondering I believe Antonio Pierce is three and three is how much is he putting himself into position to be the permanent coach That 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 one's going to be interesting to me. The players love him. Remember, it started out great again when he first got there. But like most things, kind of like even with a backup quarterback, it all levels off, and it's it's leveled off there too. I, I like I said, I believe three and three. They finish up with the Chiefs, the Colts, and the Broncos. So you know, tough sledding there as well. Sure. But I wonder what Antonio Pierce is doing for his chance at being the permanent head coach I think would just be fantastic.
3: Yeah, I I agree, yeah, it, I agree with you. There my only thing is this coach. I'm sorry to cut you off. It's like how many times have we been in this situation with the Raiders, right? They hire they fire their main head coach, interim guy comes in, players rally around him and then that interim head coach doesn't get an opportunity.
0: I think for Antonio Pierce, it, me it's really more for me about springboarding to the rest of his NFL career right because he remember he's a position coach that took over as the interim head coach and we talk about in general the value of these interim jobs because I don't know if he's going to get the long-term job I feel like the Raiders are going to be one of those teams fishing around for the Jim Harbaugh's of the world this offseason trying to make a splash hire because they tend to want someone out there who's going to be a face of the franchise at that position but I think for Antonio Pierce invaluable experience that he can now carry into every other job interview for him we know how difficult the road is for minority head coaches in the NFL, but maybe in a world where you combine this experience with the fact that he is a former player who did seem to endear himself to that locker room pretty quick, that there could be some opportunity there. So, I don't know if he'll get the job with the Raiders, but I think he's positioned himself nicely with the example here. I mean, last year we saw the polar opposite version of this with everything that went on with Jeff Saturday, someone who came from the outside in as a former player, and it went bad after the first rattle out of the box against the Raiders. Here, it's been a way, way different different story
1: yeah Antonio Pierce has never been a D coordinator in the NFL as a matter of fact uh the the Raiders is his first NFL job he came out you know and, and coached in high school uh for three years before he went to Arizona State where he was at a myriad of positions there including defensive coordinator before he went to the Raiders in 2022 as a linebacker coach so not only his first NFL job but he wasn't the D coordinator then gets elevated to head coach but you know, he's got it going pretty well. But well, I, I agree with what you say with the Raiders and that franchise trying to make a bit of a splash. There's always the this side of do you try and make a splash or do you go with what's working? You know, is, is the decision already made by Mark Davis, I wonder, that they're going to look for somebody else? Or is Antonio Pierce... Still being evaluated with three more games to go and, and maybe still has a chance. I'm sure Mark Davis would say publicly, you know, he still has a chance and all that, but you wonder if the mind has already been made up on what they want to do. You know and I will say, Dad, and you brought
0: up he had never been a defensive coordinator, too. That actually should not matter a ton in this conversation because what this is a good reminder of, and Dominic Foxworth has talked about this for years, and, and I think it's always worthwhile to bring up here, is we treat coaching with this pipeline idea that we always hear about right pipeline is the word that always comes up yeah. for minority coaching candidates talking about hey so many of the coaches that get named head coaches come from the offensive side of the ball so you want this pipeline feeding towards there when in actuality the way that we structure this doesn't make any sense because it's not like being a competent play caller all of a sudden makes you fit to lead an entire team full of people it's a totally different skill set and so all the things that antonio pierce appears to have done well in connecting with players, in managing situations, and in creating an environment in the locker room where you get the best out of your guys, those are all the far more valuable skills than, well, are you a great play caller? There are things about leading a side of the ball, leading in front of the room when you're the D coordinator of the OC that might work their way in there and are certainly a part of that skill set. But I think too often we just say, all right, who's the hot play caller? Who's the great scheme guy on there? And ignore some of the other leadership things that have made guys like D'Amico Ryan successful in year one guys like Sean McVay successful on the high end we always hear about that with him so that would be the big sell for Antonio Pierce as well as he clearly has that gift in terms of his ability to command the room in a way that should not matter what his title was before that.
1: But, but if if he never got this interim head coaching job, he would be in the line because there's a line, right? If you're a coordinator, you're felt to be a better coach than the position coaches, right? You're given more responsibility. You're running that side of the ball. So there's a pecking order, just like third team, second team, first team on the field. You know, are you a linebacker coach or are you defensive coordinator? We know which one is higher on the totem pole, so it's thought of more as someone who is – maybe prepared to make that next jump i'm not saying that's right i'm just saying this is what's going on now or this is what has always been going on
0: it's certainly what's gone on but i think at least when you're third string on the depth chart you're playing the same position when you get to the top all of a sudden when you move up from linebacker coach to d coordinator to head coach the job description changes an awful lot and we saw that go pretty south pretty quick last night And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York.
3: All right, you know what is going to help Chargers fans this morning, gentlemen? Going to have that embarrassing loss last night sting a little less. Well, guess what? Shohei Otani, we got to see him in Dodgers threads for the first time yesterday. Introduced as an LA Dodger, the big welcome party for him in the media. Also, Tyler Glass now going out and grabbing him from Tampa Bay, baby. Following up that Otani deal with Glasnow from the Rays, I mean, they needed rotation help here. Because when healthy, you guys know this, this dude is fierce. But I'm still holding my breath because the Dodgers have, what, made 11 straight MLB postseasons and they have come up empty in 10 of them. The one time they didn't, it was the Mickey Mouse title in the COVID year. Come on, man. But this tells me they're all in. They're all in. (laughs)
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it right now. The, uh, I I think, what was it, Taylor Swift, who said in that time interview, I'm collecting horcruxes, I'm gathering infinity stones, Gandalf's whispering in my (laughs) ear. That's apparently how the Dodgers are also operating this offseason right now, pulling together all the parts. They're still in the Yamamoto sweepstakes, too. I saw Tani was sitting in on those meetings trying to pitch him. So, uh, Dad, this appears to be one of those offseasons gathering up. And you know the feeling we went through this with the Philadelphia Eagles that one year in the nfl that team of destiny or whatever they called it the Namdi awesome where you had vince young over like all the guys that had come together for that team and that's now going to be it the intensity is ratcheted up and there is one goal and one directive for the dodgers this year and it's win the whole damn thing because nothing else will be even close to good enough at this rate
1: yeah seriously when you throw a 700 million dollar deal in there and, and and then get the help of the player and the way he restructured it I mean you you have to be right i mean that's what you made that move for shohei for even though he's not going to pitch this year and now you help out obviously the rotation what a hard throwing rotation you're going to have what was it bobby miller uh led everybody in fastball velocity last year i think glass now was 13th so you got a couple of hard throwers there as well and the dodgers still have room to do more for those that still may not know Remember, Shoei uh, deferred 680 of his $700 million. He's only getting paid $2 million a year for the next 10 years, which helps out the Dodgers uh, bring in more players. And they're not going to be done. No. I mean, if you're going, the old if in for a penny, in for a pound, they need to be in for 10 pounds if you're doing this. Just throw it all. Just throw it all up against the wall and see what sticks.
0: Yeah, and this one's going to stick uh, the negotiating window. Like, this deal was done with the idea that Glasnow is going to get an extension in mm-hmm. mind, and it sounds like they expect to have that hammered yeah. out today. The window to start doing that was yesterday. And so uh, we've got a clear big bad, which I always think is good for business, Dad. Like, I don't know about you. I think in sports in any given year, having like college football this year was a prime example. We did not have, in terms of quality on the field, one team that you looked at and said, That's the goal. That's what you've got to be. It wasn't like what we had with Alabama in prior years, Georgia in the last couple of seasons. Those two teams are both good. Alabama's in the playoff, but you didn't have one that was the final boss. You didn't have a UConn women's basketball team. You didn't have some under... Undefeated juggernaut who was on the cusp of something generationally great, and it made the sport better and more interesting in some ways. And I think in other ways was challenging in terms of what the easy sell is. You got an easy sell if you're Major League Baseball. We talk all the time about this sport traditionally having a difficult time selling stars or pushing its product the way its other leagues do. Coming off a season last year where the pitch clock was an overwhelming success, and you have a whole bunch of young name brand players now going forward. You got one of the biggest ones out of a situation where he was never in the postseason light and now you got him with the dodgers here where it's not just going to be now hey Shohei, have fun going and playing your first postseason baseball as a major leaguer no 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 you get there and you win the whole damn thing or else now we're going to start to talk about you the way we talk about the other superstars in this country which is not great if you don't perform
1: yeah i mean last year everybody kind of looked as as, at atlanta like that right Atlanta yeah. kind of, you know, can they close the deal? This is a team. But you had three 100-win teams, Baltimore, Atlanta, and the Dodgers, all got dusted in the first round. You know, and Atlanta and the Dodgers look like a team that, that should be that. Baltimore kind of like, wow, okay, look what they're doing. And, and they, all got, they all got beat. Uh, and the most shocking one, I think, was Atlanta that they got to be able to close the deal and they didn't. Yeah, now all eyes from the beginning of this are on the Dodgers. Was what they're doing, as we've we've all said, they're not done. They're going to have more moves because of the space Shohei has given them.
3: Yeah, the big question with them, like even after Otani, because we know he's not pitching next year, is like they needed rotation help. So that's what Glasnow gives them. But Glasnow has a you know checkered health history here. We got to see if this guy can actually make more than. 20-plus starts, which is why, and it's crazy, uh, Gojo, we were just talking off camera, they're still in on Yamamoto here, this incoming Japanese ace, and they even had in their sales pitch meeting to Yamamoto, you know who was there? Shohei mean, That adds another level of seriousness to that ball club, and it tells you how serious they are in their pursuit of this dude. Like, they're not done. Nope, certainly not done. So,
0: like we said, If you're one of the four Chargers fans who's also a Dodgers (laughs) fan in Los Angeles this morning, you can at least smile a little bit wider because you know your baseball team has got your back out here, even if your football team might be letting you down a little bit right now. Or maybe you can go become a Rams fan because, man, I tell you what, that team across town we're going to talk about them in a little bit down this home stretch of the season right now. That's a playoff ball club. I said at the beginning of the season when we were early on here and then I had to slink back away from that take slowly because the Matt Stafford got hurt and they started losing some games. But I am back now. I am all aboard the hashtag Ramily. And part of that data is because they are one of the only Ramily. teams that actually has their starting quarterback at this point now. We talked about this some in the first segment. I want to pull up. We've got a graphic of potentially every backup quarterback that's getting oh, set to no. start this week. It is staggering right now. I mean, we've got teams on their third and fourth quarterback potentially going into this weekend. Joe Flacco actually seems like a compelling option now. Mm -hmm. Like, think about this. We've lived long enough and churned through enough quarterbacks this season to where Joe Flacco's come in and won one game. And I'm like, oh, man, the Browns might be a playoff team now based on where he sits in this sea of guys that are, you know what? This year, Dad, I I was thinking about this last night. You know how people always look at a major event in sports and they say, well, just trace this nine months from now and we're going to have a bunch of babies named Timmy because Timmy (laughs) so-and-so hit a home run in the World Series and all these fans. We're going to be able to, in like nine years, look up and see a bunch of these names as guys that have been backup quarterbacks in the league for a decade because of this season, because guys went out there and put enough on wax to go and punch their backup quarterback card for the next decade. So congratulations to all them on making money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So true. It's who makes it and where do they end up? So uh, it it will be interesting to see, especially I'm so interested in a guy like Tommy DeVito. What, what happens to a guy like him? I mean that, that with, with what's in front of him, with the money that's involved and where does that go? And then, you know, you go from that a guy who we didn't expect to a guy like Gardner Minshew, right? Who he was brought in for not precisely this reason, but to be, a veteran kind of kind of eye in the locker room with Anthony Richardson, the rookie who is going to get the starter, but now everything is on his shoulders. You know they're, they're sitting there in the in the playoff hunt right now in the seventh slot uh, possibility of making the playoffs with a backup basically going the whole way. So you're running the complete gamut of going, who the hell is this to? Oh yeah, this guy was productive in the league at times and now is a really secure backup and is doing well for a team.
0: I like the idea that with Tommy DeVito, we could eventually get to the point. Because remember with Cam Newton, where for so long, once he had gotten away, you know, he was towards the backup side, the New England side of his career. Cam Newton and others said that, all right, well, he might be a guy teams are hesitant to bring in because he's such a big personality in the locker room and he would command so much attention. I like the idea that we could get through Tommy DeVito mania and he could walk away with that same stigma. Like, I don't know if you can bring Tommy DeVito in to be your backup because every Italian person in your fan base is going to be out here throwing up the hand signal and throwing cutlets at you until you put their beloved son on the football field.
1: Talk about, we always say the most popular players, the backup quarterback, man, would he be that right? Between him and him and his family, I mean, they're just they, are, as we said, just riding the wave right now. Plus, you know, Cam Newt would just come in and call him, a, you know, system quarterback anyway. Dude, yeah, his, so. his family
3: I mean, and friends tailgate included like 300 people. Like I don't know, like when like, I, like like when you guys were playing, what was the most the largest request you had for tickets? Like his is got his going to be hundreds deep. Oh.
0: It's, it's got to be st- – and, like, those cost players money. Yeah. Like, people always need to remember that. Yeah, you don't do. get free tickets. Nope. Those cost money. And so it's coming out of Tommy DeVito's <laughs> bank account every time that happens. I'm sure the family is taking care of him. I do wonder for him, though, is there a higher concentration of Italian fans anywhere else in the country or does he have to be the backup quarterback <laughs> for the New York Giants?
3: Time to turn our attention now to the college game, everybody, with our Modelo College Football Weekend Preview brought to you by Modelo, the mark of a fighter. So we have some bowl games to discuss here in just a moment. But first, some news. Alabama quarterback Jalen Milroe making a big announcement on the next round show yesterday. Do you feel comfortable announcing you're coming back next year? <laughs> right here on the next round. Alabama fans would love to hear this. Yeah, I'm coming back for my senior year. Oh, there we go. Flash lights.
1: Reckin' news. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> is coming back for his senior year. Uh. He just gave Alabama fans <laughs> an
3: early Christmas yeah, gift with that right. one. I want fun neon lights like that in our studio. The Stu Gatz is cool. so strong
0: in those guys, cool. too, by the way. They did that, and Dad, you're familiar oh, with this after two decades yes. in it, where you don't think a guy's actually going to no. give you something there, but you got to make the joke about it. He actually handed them mana from heaven on a he plate. Did.
1: What a win! I mean, that is exactly what you do. You say, hey, go ahead and tell us this or that, you know. And you heard them laughing like, oh, he's not going to say anything. And then then while he was trying to say it, they actually were stepping on him as he was trying to say, I'm going back. And they're like, wait, what? Okay. Hey, you, you heard it here first, and and it's the right move for him for the next level, oh, yeah. right? He had, he struggled early on, was thought of more as a runner than a passer, so he can work again next year. Keep going under Tommy Reasio coordinator, make the passing game even better. He ended up with twenty three touchdowns and just six interceptions, which is really good. But they ran the ball so much more than they passed it. Uh, they had that true freshman on the old line, so he's going to have a year of experience as well. Proctor out at left tackle you know they'll, they'll get better there and he'll have another year season himself before going to the NFL. So this, this was from a, from a standpoint of the NFL, it was the right move for him. And oh, by the way, Alabama's got to be so happy because of it. Well, I was going
0: to say, think about what a rarity this is in modern college football to have a guy who's been there multiple seasons now, like Jalen Milrow will be coming back for his fourth season on campus for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And now we know last year he had a couple of games in the stead of Bryce Young when he got hurt and then took over as the full-time starter this year. But dad, we always talk about what a difficult prospect it is for coaches having to come in and tailor an offense one year to a guy that's coming over there, the Heisman Trophy, winner in Jaden Daniels similar situation in LSU where he got multiple seasons there and now Jalen Milrow has been a homegrown product for Alabama and is no doubt gonna walk into next season as one of the guys that's a front runner for the Heisman Trophy and on a team that's got a chance to win a college like a very real chance despite being a team that we all thought shouldn't have actually made it into the college football playoff given the fact that Florida State had the resume that was better that was more fit to this Alabama's got a very real chance to win a national championship walking into all that with him
1: think of this though the four remaining teams two quarterbacks will be gone and two are now coming back milrose coming back and quinn ewers it looks like i know he hasn't made an announcement yet but i believe is is going to come back unless he has i'm not sure uh but but he's coming back in texas while Penix will be gone and j.j mccarthy uh will be gone so you have two coming back so that is huge for them and how about quickly uh another move another sleek move by nick saban Nick yeah. Saban hiring a former Michigan coach right now before they play them in the uh, in the bowl game in the semifinals. Whoa. George, I believe it's Hilo. I'm not, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He was a linebacker coach in 21 and 22 for Michigan, and under Harbaugh. So I mean, very, very, uh, you know, very recently, uh, he was done after that season because they brought back. Um, a a uh, Chris Partridge who was with Michigan and went to Ole Miss and then came yeah. back as a linebacker coach so that's why Hilo wasn't brought back Ooh. but that's what a Nick Saban move that is yeah, right? Bring can't. in a Michigan coach who has been under Harbaugh and bring him well, in a couple of weeks before we're going to play in this game. Very, uh, Bell- you can Belichick already ask. hear
0: Michigan fans going see anytime someone yeah. brings up the sign stealing stuff for them they're going to be like well look what Alabama did. They're going here and trying to f- mine that from our old coach. <laughs> Coach, which is a yeah. heady play he won't be one of the assistants he's gonna right. be one of the million um what analysts, analysts. on the state saban led yeah. alabama staff and round and round we go so yeah the gamesmanship has already started but uh, again good news for fans of the tide who, once again, listen, they're going to lose plenty of quality guys on the defensive side of the ball. Dallas Turner is going to be a super high draft pick. That's what they're used to year over year, but the biggest unknown on the Alabama roster this year was at quarterback, and now they've got that question answered going into next season already in a way that's got to be huge for them. So we'll have plenty of time to get to Alabama in the final four and all those games coming up, but Emerson, we got real live bowl game action getting started this weekend. The first wave of, I don't know if it's still Capital One bowl season or who else is sponsoring it either, now dude. but it feels good to have even though in this day and age all we're going to talk about is who's not playing in these games i'm still happy to have them back in my life this yeah, week.
3: yeah uh, 41 bowl games right kicking off tomorrow six games tomorrow a handful of bowl games just for the entire weekend including your backyard gojo, the starco brands la bowl hosted by none other than gronk Yeah, Gronk gets his own bowl game. That's right, baby. Are you on the uh, guest VIP list? <laughs>
0: I, I actually was invited. I don't think I'm, right. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it to the game or not, which I, I love this turn, by the way. There's a bunch of things I love about this. Rob Gronkowski's obviously made the media turn now. We see him on, was he CBS or Fox, one of those uh, pregame shows yeah. on the weekends, the Fox pregame show. But, Dad, he's now also gotten into the hosting scene. Like, Gronk Beach has become a staple party during Super Bowl week now. Big for him, kind of getting in that shack vein. But also, he's branching out. Did you see Gronk said on the damn panel? Patrick showed the other day that he is actually going to be singing the star spangled banner alongside the new directions veteran choir. So those, um, uh, bank, those uh, military banking commercials that Gronk has been a part of apparently now have formed the perfect union between him and military personnel going out here to sing.
1: What a smart move though. Singing it with a choir, right? I mean, so he's, he's not going to be alone. You know, he's not gonna be hanging out where everybody in the world will judge him. Remember, he's not a singer, yet he's going to do that. But do it with people that can sing. Just kind of blend in with them, mm-hmm. make yourself look good, and get off the stage. Like, it's just gonna be Fergie? There's no way he gets
0: all the words right, right?
1: No, 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 but that's well, why he you says have a he's choir. Been, to back he you says up. He says he's been practicing. Uh, learning the words and everything, but it's Gronk, so we we never know. Uh, Hey, if nothing else, man, Milli Vanilli the thing, lip sync it. You know? I mean, the choir's up there singing. Let them do their thing. Just don't Fergie it. Do not Fergie the thing.
0: Yes, I can say, Gronk, please don't pull a fur. Well, actually, you know what? For our sake, please do pull a Fergie. Because if anyone anyone can navigate that, it's great content for us. And Gronk doesn't get embarrassed by things. No, he doesn't. get embarrassed? No, It's built into the model. Go out there and be you, you big, sweet man here. (laughs) By the way, in that game, as we look at some of the slate coming up this weekend, Boise State and UCLA playing in that game right now. Boise State, your Mountain West Conference champions. Their star running back, Ashton Janty. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right Announced. That he's coming back and is going to play in the bowl game there. A couple of opt-outs for UCLA, but dad, UCLA four-point favorites in this game, I actually like them and would pick them in that game. They're not going to have their star DM, Liatu Latu, the Pac-12 defensive player of the year, but you got the Murphy twins that are going to still be out there on that defensive group and uh, I think between that and actually Ethan Garber's their quarterback, who is the most productive of the three they played throughout the season, going to be there. I would probably take UCLA and the points in that game.
1: Yeah, Dante Moore, the freshman Quarterback threw himself some pick sixes and uh, and was gone, and that's why Garbers took over more, and now going to be. I'm going to take Boise State in this. Remember, UCLA also lost their defensive coordinator, who went to USC. By the way, as Ooh, by the way, one. they all go to the Big Ten. Um, yeah.
3: So. Pretty pretty wild there, but I'm I'm gonna go the other way. I'm gonna go with Boise State Did, in this one. They win the Mountain West uh after like firing their coach too like five games prior. Like they've done a lot. Yeah, Spencer of this.
1: Danielson came in and was the interim and he yeah. is now the full time head coach. That, yes. I mean that's that's yeah. ridiculously impressive, is it not? Yeah. It is
0: incredibly impressive. We've also got the Myrtle Beach Bowl coming up this weekend. Georgia Southern and Ohio. The Cricket Celebration Bowl between Howard and Florida A&M. The New Orleans Bowl with Jacksonville State and Louisiana. The Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl. My guy Chuck Martin and the Miami of Ohio Redhawks taking on App State in that game right now. I'd probably take App State, who's favored by six and a half. The Mm -hmm. New Mexico Bowl and the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. Cal and Texas Tech drink it all in go out there and take it through i might have a parlay set up for you guys coming up here later in the day so stay tuned on the DraftKings king sports book we're crunching the numbers right now we're getting ready to go and we're gonna sweat this thing out together baby it is bowl season and we are back And Stevens kind enough to join us here from the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and Brandon, first and foremost, congrats on all the success this season, both for you for for the team and for your guys' defense. And I guess before I get into some of the stuff you guys have going on, matchup this week, uh, things like that. I wanted to go big picture with you here, just because I don't know if you saw the NFL had the league meetings where they were discussing some rule changes on certain elements around the league. And one of the things they brought up was the hip drop tackle, as it's been talked about now. I'm curious for your perspective as a defensive player who also is on a team that's been affected by this particular play with Mark Andrews being injured earlier this season on this, how you felt about the idea of this game tackle being taken out of the game.
2: Yeah, you know, obviously, you know that that kind of tackle has been a concern uh, for for a while now, um, and it's it's just one of those things. It's, it's tough, man. You know, we're we're just trying to get a guy down um, by any means, you know, um, and so that you know it, it'll be. I, I personally feel like it'll be hard to take that take that out. Um, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see how that you know changes. The way people play on defense you know um when it comes to those uh you know side tackles you know um um, but yeah we'll see we'll see
0: is that something that's taught is it a reaction like what what is that in terms that are you conscious or guys on defense conscious when you're trying to take a guy down that way
2: yeah like i said man it's you just trying to get a guy down uh you know however possible you know by any means um you know you know, with no ill intent, you know, behind it. You know, um, I think those tackles are, you know, just part of the game. Uh, I understand why they're trying to take it out. Uh, You know, it's, you know, been causing some, you know, serious injuries, um, you know, to offensive guys. Um, But yeah, yeah. Yeah, well,
0: again, it's it's one of those things I, as a former offensive player, I'm real empathetic towards the, the plight of guys on defense because there's just so much of the game now skewed towards the offensive side of the football, but certainly hasn't stopped you guys from having a ton of success this year. I, I'm curious. We've gotten to talk to on this show a couple of guys uh, from your guys' defense over the course of the season. And I'm always fascinated how each position group kind of fits into this defense. So, what is it that's unique, maybe, for a defensive back playing in the kind of defense that you guys do, where you have so many moving parts, and it seems like it's pretty complex from the outside looking in?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, playing here, playing in this secondary, you know, we've 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 got a lot of parts to this uh, to this defense, um, you know, and it takes a lot of communication, um, uh, you know, just being on the same page is the man next to you, you know, being on the same page as as a guy on the the other side of the field, you know, because it all works together. Um, But, you know, we we communicate, uh, you know, very well, trying to get on the same page each and every day, each and every week, um, you know, and allowing it to go out there on Sundays and just play free.
0: You were drafted here, so you obviously haven't been in another defensive meeting room in the NFL level. But for you guys, this year has seemed to be another gear you found on this defense. What's the difference been in your mind from what you saw through your first couple seasons here?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just just clicking on, on all cylinders, you know, you know, just and also putting in the work, you know, during the off season, Um and, and, you know, it, it helps, you know, that I play, you know, multiple positions. Um um, knowing what, you know, what the safety does, what the nickel does, what the dime does, you know, um, you know, cause like I said, it, it all works together. And so I think that's allowed me to just play, you know, faster, um, and trust in trusting the man next to me.
0: How do you get yourself ready to play multiple positions like that for people on the outside that see how difficult being in the NFL at all is when you're a guy that has to wear that many hats. How does that change the way you prepare?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely not easy. Uh, it takes a lot of, a lot of studying, um, you know, knowing you know how they're trying to attack a certain player on the field, a certain position on the field. Um, but you know, honestly, once once you once you understand um, you know what, what the next guy you know uh, responsibility is, it makes that your job that much easier. Um, you can you know start to anticipate things and um, um, just play fast.
0: What's the actual hardest position then in the defensive back group? Since you've gotten to do all of them, what do you actually think is the most difficult?
2: Man, I've got a lot of respect for safeties, man. Our, our safeties—they got a lot of a lot on their plate. Uh, but man, I, you know, corner—you know, there's not too many people that can you know go and play corner. You know, uh, but I was—I would say safeties, safeties, are corners for sure.
0: All right, there we go. You know what? Not you, You're right. Safety sometimes goes under-respected. The guys in the corner are out there on an island, but you got to communicate a lot and sort of yeah. be that quarterback of the defense on the back end at safety. Uh, let's go on the field from last week first. You guys played in one of the best games of last weekend against the Rams, Matthew Stafford. And that offense, when they've been healthy, ha- have really moved at an incredible clip. What did you guys take away from that matchup and going up against that group that you think can help you
2: going forward? yeah they uh you know they they threw a lot of concepts uh, at us um you know schemed up con- uh, concepts and uh you know this this league is a copycat league and so um you know it kind of helps to see how teams are trying to attack you because i mean we'll, we'll we'll see those same concepts you know uh you know weeks from now um, um uh, so it, it's it's definitely helped us in that way.
0: Was there anything in particular that you guys saw? Oh, they're clearly trying to target this. That now
2: you guys want to work on as a defense. They, I mean, it was you know sideline throws. You know, a couple you know throws. You know, coming back to the field into you know Stafford's vision. You know that you know they they make their hay off of you know guys getting out leverage. You know to the flat out leverage. You know vertically whatnot. So. Uh, we knew that going into the game um you know and i think i think we did a, a pretty good job with that
0: you mentioned stafford there i'm curious for for you and you mentioned all the different roles you play in the db room so maybe this differs by what you're doing in that given week when you sit down and start digesting an opponent you're looking at jacksonville this weekend who's got great skill players a great quarterback what do you start to look at first as a defensive back when you're preparing for an opposing offense <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I, I break it down into, you know, five different parts. But, you know, I, I think first things first, you know, what do they like to do first thing, first and second down? You know, it, it starts with that. Um, and then you, you, you go into, you know, different formations. Uh, you know, what are they like on third down? Um, so on and so on. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the game starts with first and second down. So that's that's what I look at first.
0: When you're looking at an opposing receiver, then specifically with that position, what's the thing that you worry about the most when facing an opposing receiver? You know, this week, a bunch of different skill sets in this room for the Jaguars receiver group. What do you try and uh, try and study there?
2: Yeah, I'm just studying, you know, um, you know, splits, you know, uh, what routes are they like from certain splits, uh, certain formations. Um, and, you know, uh, got to have it plays. you know, uh, you know, who's their go to guy. You know, what are they like running in those plays? Um, you know, and you know they can always have a counter off of it. But you, you know, you go into the uh, the play, you know, with the with the idea, um, and you know, uh, you can just play from there. So this week in particular, we mentioned a couple
0: times you guys are playing the Jags big time matchup in the AFC. What stands out to you about their offense in particular?
2: Yeah man they are they potent offense you know they they've got a bunch of uh guys that can you know make, uh, you know make those splash uh splash pay, uh, plays um you know they they've had some guys out uh that they they, they uh, should end up getting this week um we'll be excited if we see you know the fully loaded offense uh uh but yeah man they they're they're explosive you know they got the quarterback that can make all the throws uh so, you know, it's going to be on us to win our win our matchups, win our one-on-ones and, you know, make make uh, more plays than them. You guys are no stranger to seeing some great
0: quarterback play, but also seeing quarterback play in practice. Lamar Jackson played an incredible game to finish off the weekend for you guys last weekend. Uh, what's he like in your mind when you've gone against him in practice, when you see him firing on all cylinders like that, that separates him from other
2: quarterbacks in the league? Yeah, man. I mean, uh, Lamar, he's, he's the, you know, heart and soul of the offense, you know, uh, this team. And so, um, you know, just being able to compete with him, you know, in, week out every day, uh, seeing him make some, some crazy, crazy throws from crazy angles. Um, you know, I think that's what separates him, man. He, you know, he can hit targets, you know, off balance and in weird body positions and whatnot. Um, and, you know, obviously with his legs, you know, he, he can run, um, you know, extend plays when plays break down and, uh, um, you know move the chains no it's it's incredible to
0: watch him and certainly it's been incredible to watch your guys defense all year so brandon we appreciate you giving us some time we know it's a busy week in the lead up to this one congratulations on all the success and uh, hopefully we'll get to catch up with you again down the road
2: yes sir appreciate you thanks for having me
0: Staley the most average coach of all time his career with the Chargers his record is a perfect 24 and 24 points per game scored 24.3 opponents points per game 24.8 yards per game for his team 362.8 opponent yards per game 359.6 60 turnovers versus 62 turnovers allowed And average time of possession is 29 minutes and 24 seconds average opponent time of possession 30 minutes and 35 seconds wow that is just splitting right down the middle